This is Perspectives, the show where we talk about our differences only to find out that we have so much more in common. I'm Condice Presley. Happy Super Bowl Sunday. I got to tell you, I was pulling for the Lions to make the big game since they'd never been, but it's going to be the 49ers from San Francisco and the Kansas City Chiefs in the big game later today. In honor of this day, my guest on the show is a football legend. He is a former GM, NFL analyst, and author. His name, Michael Lombardi, and he's with us because of his book, something that's going to have to tide us over after today until football season is back again. Football done right. And Michael Lombardi, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. How can you have a name like Michael Lombardi? And from what I've read, you're not related to the other Lombardi that all comes to mind <laughs> when we see that name. Yeah, well, I mean, you know what I tell everybody, and I think this is probably it was the best strategy of my life, was I, my real name, last name is Smith. But when I decided to get into the NFL, I changed my name because I thought it would work out a hell of a lot better for me, and it did. So that's kind of what it is. So I'm really Smith, but they, you know, I'm I'm going to go by Lombardi here for the rest of the year. I don't blame you. That's pretty smart, smooth move. In your book, Football Done Right, you have set out to clarify various aspects of the league's history. Tell me what. What made you want to take on such a comprehensive exploration of what has, I know, consumed my Sundays, Sunday nights, Thursdays, and some Saturdays uh, in January? Well, I, I think to me, part of the motivation was because of how I was raised when I first got in the league by Coach Walsh. I was really a talked, it was a lot about the, the essence of the game and who was responsible and who came before us. I think one of the things you have to constantly always do is remember those who come before you, right? And if you do that, you have a better sense of respect for the league. You understand what's going on. And, and I would get on the team bus with Coach Walsh, and he would be sitting there doodling, doodling plays by Clark Shaughnessy. And you know, and I didn't know who the hell Clark Shaughnessy was. I was just some fat kid from New Jersey. I had no idea. And so I started studying. And then I went to work for people that in the league that really valued the history of the league. Ernie, of course, uh, Bill Belichick, people like that, that constantly were studying the league. And so it made me study the league. And so, therefore, you know, I had a great appreciation. And I thought there was some injustice that were going on. I mean, Let's just like take a moment. Last week, two weeks ago, when we played the conference championship game, uh, there were all those people in Detroit watching the game. And, you know, you yeah, say, 30,000 well, we people were in this. that stadium. 30,000 people were in that stadium. And you say, well, they're just in love with their team. You know, that isn't that nice. Well, the history of their team is really important, which the networks never really talked about. Buddy Parker, who's going to go in the Hall of Fame this year, is the father of the nickel defense. He's the father of the two-minute defense. He's the father of, 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 of two-minute offense. And he invented some of the things that we utilize today, but we never talked about it. They never mentioned it. So there's so much about our game that gets kind of never covered. 
that it's kind of a shame. And I, I thought if I could write a book to kind of, not that I was going to solve all the problems, but hopefully try to make people more aware of what has actually happened in this great sport. You have worked as a scout, as an executive, and as a coach for more than 30 years, a multifaceted career in the NFL, to say the least. How have all these experiences shaped your perspective on the game? And, and I know you played also and were a long snapper and a – what was the other position you played? You were a defensive lineman, yes. Well, I played nose tackle. But, I, I mean, what shaped me are the people that I worked for. I, I've been blessed. I, I mean, everything that I talk about, everything that I write about, really comes from the people that I've worked for, not me. Right. I mean, so to me, it's about the great Bill Walsh and what I learned from him and, and all the things he taught me about football and how to think football, how to be around football, understand football, all those things. And then I worked for Ernie, of course, Marty Schottenheimer, Bill Belichick. I learned so much from those people. My two books are truly tributes to, to the people I learned from. I'm just a conduit of the information. I didn't really develop anything on my own. I just kind of was fortunate enough to be in the right place at the right time. And I was smart enough to understand that I was around great history. And when you're, when you're able to do that, you can record things. And that's kind of what I was able to do. Sidebar question, because you mentioned Coach Belichick, who was in Atlanta, and you're talking to an Atlanta audience yeah. about your book. He was in Atlanta, did a couple of interviews with the Atlanta Falcons for the head coaching head coach opening that we had and did not get that gig. Uh, what do you, what, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think coach Walsh, once again, I'll quote him. He used to say this all the time. The league often is not the best and the brightest. The league is sometimes more interested in protecting their desk. And I think to me, uh, you know, to decide to go with the front office that they have in place there, whether it's Rich McKay Terry Fontenot and not and not really bring in the greatest coach of all time is an absence of true trying to get better. I don't know how you sell the Atlanta public that that this is the best tire for the Falcons when in reality, you know, Belichick's got six Super Bowls. Terry Fontenot doesn't have a Super Bowl. You know, Raheem Morris, I think, is a really good coach, but that front office is still going to have to deliver for him. He can't do everything himself. So for me, I think they missed a great opportunity. You know, once in a lifetime comes once in a lifetime, and I think the Falcons missed their once in a lifetime. Your book, Football Done Right, Setting the Record Straight on the Coaches, Players, and History of the NFL, talks about the greatest players and the greatest coaches in the history of the league. Can you talk to about some of the folks that you decided you wanted to write about and how you decided to put them in the book? Well, I, I, the first thing I wanted to do was put a criteria for what does it take to get into the Hall of Fame? Like, how do you get in the Hall of Fame? Like, if you're a young kid growing up in Atlanta and you want to coach, what, what do you do? How do you become a Hall of Fame coach? Who do you study? Who do you learn from? And I think there has to be a criteria so we all understand that. And that's what I try to do. I set a criteria for what it would take to coach in the league, what, what great coaches do, what they, how they are, the great Paul Brown, who's the father of coaching in the NFL. I mean, this is a man who basically we would not have the coaching profession if it wasn't for him. He was, he developed scouting. He developed advanced scouting. He developed the idea of headsets on the sideline, 
so much of the game he's responsible for. And we don't, and you know, nobody really knows all that. So I think what I try to do in this book is pay attention to that. Give those people the, the most important, give them the kind of the way to really understand everything and where you can go learn if you're interested in becoming one of these great coaches. Your book promises a journey through the history of the NFL. Talk to us about one of the you know, most fascinating stories or anecdotes from your time in the league that you think really showcases the essence of professional football. Well, I mean, there's so many of them that I, I talk about in the book, but I think being around Coach Walsh and knowing how he was able to find the talent and how he worked the NFL draft and what he did to to really make uh, one draft the most incredible draft of all time when we were able to pick in the in the in the in 1986 he tells me to go to the draft room we had blackboards at the time and he said hey write these three names up on the board Gerald Robinson defensive end Auburn John L. Williams running back Florida and then he said write uh, Ronnie Harmon Iowa to running back Iowa and I did and then the next three picks all those picks went ahead and they're gone and so what happened was we had to move down and that became trading down in the NFL. That's when trading down became really popular. And I think, to me, that's part of the genius of Walsh. He was able to do those things and, find, and, and kind of create his own pathway, whether it was the West Coast offense or whether it was trading down. Walsh was ahead of his time. You work closely, and you've already mentioned Coach Walsh. I know you work with Al Davis. You've mentioned Coach Belichick. Uh, these were not only folks you work with, but clearly it sounds like they mentored you and influenced your approach to the game. Talk to me about some of the lessons from each that have stayed with you. Well, I mean, the, you know, the way to see football, right? The, the key to winning football is the organization of the non-obvious. What really matters in a football game what are those things? You know, people think the West Coast offense is about, about the throw in the football. The West Coast offense is a philosophy of basically we're, gonna, we're going to build a lead by throwing in the first half and run the ball in the second half and have a complementary defense. You know, Al Davis, the whole system of scouting, how do we procure talent? What do we do to find talent? How is the best way to – to build a football team. What are the most important positions of a team? You know, let's take the Falcons. They've got spent all these first round picks on receivers. They're 25th in the NFL last year. They have no explosiveness to their offense. Bijan's a nice player, but running backs don't matter in the NFL anymore. Drake London's not an explosive down the field receiver, and Kyle Pitts is a little bit of a mismatch. Whereas if they'd taken Jalen Carter, the three technique from Georgia, now we're talking about having a really good player in a position that matters the most. And for if Al Davis were running the Atlanta Falcons last year, Jalen Carter would have been lined up at three technique the whole time. There would have never been a doubt about that. So I learned that from him. And then at Belichick, I learned everything from him. As I wrote about a gridiron genius, the culture, how to develop culture, what do you need to do for culture, all those things really came from Belichick, how to develop a team, build a team, how to separate the eyes from the wheeze. Tom Brady talked about it earlier last week on Pat McAfee about the, the Patriot way or just the way of how you have to win football games. All that stuff I learned from those guys. Coach, what sets the NFL apart 
from other professional sports. You Google most watch things, uh, events on television, and the majority of those events are either Super Bowl games, like we've got coming up today, or just NFL games. I mean, it's one something that we as a community all unite around. Well, I think a lot of it is the is the is the fact that football is chess on grass, right? It's a strategic game with brute force. It's the combination of a lot of things we love in America. You know, strategic thinking, tactical thinking, and then physicality. And football is a game. It's chess on grass. And we're fascinated to understand that we have a great curiosity to have the game explained to us on actually what is happening, what's going on, and so that we can go to a bar and talk to our uh, talk to our friends like we know something that they don't know. And I think that's a powerful tool. Look, football is going to continue to dominate because football is a game that has everything going for it. And now all of a sudden, betting has come into the picture, right? The betting public likes this. And when the betting comes into the picture, it just intensifies. We had fantasy football that made it great. And then we got betting. And that's when people put a dollar or a hundred dollars on their hearts are in it there. And it just makes the passion rise. Having it a part of three Super Bowl winning teams, what do you think are the key elements that contribute to the sustained success of the league, as you've said, both on and off the field? Well, I think the quality of play is so important in terms of, of how we how we handle the 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 in, the, the advancements of the game, right? So like how are we playing? How's the game being handled? The the technology of the game, and then how these great players are able to continue to do the things that they do, which is somewhat remarkable, right? So I, I think the the game is is just ev- ever changing. The evolution of the game is so fascinating that I think ultimately that's what excites people. And from college to pro. It's where the technology has changed. I mean, what I write about in the book is, you know, the league was a brute force league at one time. And then it all of a sudden became a, I don't want to call it a finesse league, but then it became more of a tactical game through Paul Brown. It then became a strategic game as the evolution of the rules changed. So that's what people love. What do you think are two or three of the most significant changes or, de- or developments that have shaped the game in your 35 years? Well, I, I think the, the, the advancement of, of how, how much we throw the football, you know, the willingness to throw the ball. You know, remember, buddy, you know, there was a time where Woody has said three, anytime you throw the ball, two of the things, three things that could happen are bad. That, nobody's thinking that way anymore. So I think that the, the, the evolution of that, the, the changes in how the offensive line is allowed to pass protect, that was really important, you know, and so they, they, they could use their hands. That really helped the basket game. The scoring, the ability to put points on the board, to get fans interested in the scoring, that helped advance the game. So there's so much. I mean, when you go through it, every little change – that adds points, that adds excitement to the game, just makes this game even better. You were a general manager, and as a result, you've, and you've hinted at it earlier, been involved in trades and trade negotiations. Is there a story or something that is especially memorable to a trade that you were involved in and the impact it had on your team? Well, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of them. I mean, when you trade, we traded for 
uh, you know, when we traded up to get Jerry Rice, I mean, we were sitting there picking down there at the bottom of the first round, and next thing you know, we're picking 19th, and we're getting ready to pick Eddie Brown, and the Cincinnati Bengals draft Eddie Brown before we could get him, and then we settle on Jerry Rice. How about that, right? How lucky are we? We settled on Jerry Rice, and so we got the greatest receiver of all time, and we, he was the third receiver picked in that draft. So that, that was a trade that I remember, you know, uh, that was tremendous. Trading for Randy Moss when I was with the Raiders was a trade that maybe we didn't win a title there, but certainly Randy Moss was really instrumental in what we did. In your book, Football Done Right, Setting the Record Straight on the Coaches, the Players, and the History of the NFL, you not only highlight players and coaches, but you also talk about another job that you had uh, as as being in the booth with the sportscasters. Why do you think it's so important to make sure – you give light to the broader spectrum of everybody who plays a role in making the game so popular? Well, I mean, look, you know, and I talked quite a bit about it in my book. I mean, football, the, the football became popular because of, of television. You, you know, you're too young to remember, but there was a time, I live in a little beach town called Ocean City, New Jersey. And this is an island that's seven miles long, one mile wide. It has 10,000 people live here in the wintertime. That's it. And we had three bowling alleys at one time on this little island, three. And Monday night was bowling of all over America. It was bowling night in America. Everybody went bowling. It was the thing to do. And then Monday night football came out. And all of a sudden, bowling wasn't popular anymore. Bowling took a back seat. And so, you know, that, that because people wanted to stay home and watch football. And nobody thought it would work, and yet it worked tremendously. And I think ultimately that's a tribute to the NFL and the TV. It's a tribute to Howard Cosell because people stayed home to listen to Howard Cosell. They stayed home to hear what he had to say, whether they agreed with him or not. And those things really made a huge difference. With your extensive background in both front office roles, on-air talent. How do you balance the analytical aspects of the game with, you know, the storytelling that comes with it and, you know, the entertaining aspects of the game to kind of keep us all engaged? Well, I think storytelling is so important. That's why history is so important. That's why to be able to understand the history of the game is so important. So you could share the wisdom of the past, that not everything was invented yesterday, that there's more to this game than than just what happened a day ago or two weeks ago. And so I think to me that when you could shape a story, when you could start it off with telling people about, you know, what happened before they got here, you know, and, and get them to understand it and to get them to, to buy in and to, to really appreciate all the things that have happened in the past, I think it's really important. So, you know, I, I think history tells a great story. And then the NFL is just a great story to tell like two weeks ago, the ability for the 49ers to come back and win that game. I mean, what a great story. What a great story, you know? And so those are the kind of things that you just constantly, you know, it just keeps evolving every single day, the brilliance of the league and how everything constantly changes. And yet it keeps our, our interest so high. Coach, what do you make of the intersection of pop culture and the NFL with this Super Bowl today when you have the greatest pop star probably on the planet dating one of the players on the team 
I mean, talk about an opportunity for daddies and their daughters to connect in ways they had never thought they would. You've got all kinds of little girls and young girls and Swifties watching the game because she's there at all the games. Isn't that great? It's great. I mean, it's just, it brings people together. Look, you know, the thing, what has motivated a lot of great talent in this country? The Ed Sullivan show, people, I mean, Bruce Springsteen watched the Ed Sullivan show and he wanted to be like Elvis and, you know, then they watched the Beatles and they wanted to be like the Beatles. And so anytime you can combine things, it motivates people. It ch- changes people's trajectory in life. And I think that's a great story that we're going to tell in this Super Bowl. I think it's great. I really do. I'm excited for it. I'm, I'm happy it's part of it. I'm not a Swifty. I'm a Springsteen guy, but I'm happy as hell for it. In your book, you write a little bit about or suggest maybe reimagining the hall to honor every deserving athlete and coach what would you do if you could you know make wave a magic wand and and make sure everybody who ought to be in got in what would you do i would put marty schottenheimer in i would kick out george preston marshall who doesn't belong in there he held the team back that would be my first two moves i would make and then from there i would organize the hall into sections where like i did in my book where if you're coming into this wing this is the elite wing and over here And not that I want to discriminate or take people, but I want to give the respect to the people that have played in the league that are better than some of the other people that have played in the league. I mean, I think it's only fair. What is it that you're wanting readers to take away from your book? I think the curiosity of learning more about the game, about where the game started and how we got here. I think that's kind of what we all want to do. Whenever you write a book, you want somebody to to, to have more curiosity to go dig deeper into Chuck Knoll, to dig deeper into some of the names that you don't even remember or know. I think that's kind of what you always want to try to do. You want to stoke the curiosity of the people that you're writing for. As you researched and wrote Football Done Right, setting the record straight on the coaches, players, and history of the NFL, was there anything that you learned that you thought you knew but didn't or something that surprised you? Oh, so much. I mean, you know, that's the one good thing about writing a book. You're constantly learning and evolving. I think, you know, the the, the stories that I tell, some of them I had no idea, you know, about – some of the things that I wrote about the Chuck Knoll story about Joe, Joe Paterno and, and all those things. I think those are the kind of stuff that you just don't know. And then when you start researching, you're just like, wow, this is great. And I loved it. And I loved every bit of it. What has been your favorite aspect of being involved in the game over your career? Was it playing the sport, coaching the sport, being a leadership and a GM, general manager? What, what was what was that? I think it was learning, and I think it was the ability to to have, you know, to be part of a team, to be part of something bigger than yourself. I think that's ultimately what it comes down to. And this is probably what you'd call a gimme question, considering who your mentors have been, but looking at the two teams that are playing in the Super Bowl today, uh, who's your pick to win and why? Uh, I, I think, you know, I, I, I kind of believe it may be the 49ers time. I believe in destiny. I love Andy Reid. I think he's done a great job of reestablishing his team and kind of, of rebranding his team within this season. I think it's not getting enough credit. But I just think, to me, I think this could be – I think the 49ers, it could be their time. And so I I would go with the 49ers. The book is Football Done Right, Setting the Record Straight on the Coaches, Players, and the History of the NFL. The author is former 
general manager, NFL analyst, and author Michael Lombardi. Michael, enjoy the game today. Thank you so much. Have a good one. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate this. This is really nice of you. Thank you. Perspectives is a community and public affairs program produced with you in mind. If there's a guest or an issue you'd like to hear me explore, I hope you'd let me know. The easiest way to connect with me is on social media. Just slip me a DM or send me a message. Search Condes Presley on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. And yeah, I know you're asking, how do you spell Condes? C-O-N-D-A-C-E. And Presley has two S's. That's P-R-E-S-S-L-E-Y. Friends, I appreciate your listening. Be sure to listen again next week at the same time as we explore new perspectives. <laughs>